Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch, down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop. It's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. I'm really pumped about this next guest. This is my guy, Austin Hooper. So Austin and I met in 2016 when he was a rookie on the Falcons. And I think it's when you guys were staying in Santa Monica for a week. And I was like throwing money into a pool as part of a video shoot, which that's a whole other story. But you saw me kind of like wearing this purple pleather jacket, acting the fool. We struck up a conversation, and uh, yeah. next thing I knew, you were in the Super Bowl. I looked like you were about to be a Super Bowl champ. Another another sordid tale. But, uh, you know, I, I've gotten to know you. I've seen how hard you've worked and, uh, you know, have loved watching your career progress. And I'm just going to come out right now and say it. Low-key, this will be one of the great free agent sightings of 2023 new Las Vegas Raiders tight end Austin Hooper. Mike, thanks for having me. Very cool to have you. Um, you just became a Raider the other day, and yep. um, you know I know it happened fast. I know you were uh, you were in Dubai at one point vacationing, and uh, free agency hit. Tell me about uh, joining the Raiders and and what fires you up. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, being a Bay Area kid, right, growing up in the East Bay watching the Oakland Raiders go, uh, you know, since, since I can remember, right. Watching Rich Gannon and the boys, John Gruden's first stint in there. I mean, just watching the plethora of tremendous players and coaches that have come through that organization. So when they moved to Vegas, I had no idea what to expect. Right. And then my agent called said Vegas wants to do a visit. So I was just like, wow. All right. That's awesome. Flew in, did the physical, did everything and got the offer, got the opportunity. And now I'm just looking forward to, uh, getting to work. What excites you about the Raiders? Uh, you know, they obviously they've got Devontae Adams, they got Josh Jacobs, they got some dudes. What what you know, what gets you pumped? Sure. 
I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Devontae having a receiver like Devontae allows other guys to have more favorable matchups, allows coverage to be dictated pre-snap. Guys can't hold coverage and do as many funky things at the snap. They have to dictate because if they don't, Devontae will show you why he is who he is. So then you you know, add Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro's a beast. Like OJ's going to be in the tight end room with me and Josh Jacobs, the guy who – led the league in rushing who can do some stuff out of the backfield too, as well as uh, Abdullah, I believe as well. He's that dangerous out of the backfield. So, I mean, there's a plethora of guys, Jimmy and then Josh, just watching the system from afar, the way how he revolutionized the two tight end offense candidly. So, I mean, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity. One I'm not taking lightly and one I'm grateful for. Are you going to wild out as much as Gronk? Like, are you going to, you know, (laughs) throw people out of the club and then, you know, <laughs> go full nah, comic book. No, no, no. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be chilling out in Henderson, man. I'm going to be keeping low key. <laughs> I'm keeping low key. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll definitely go to the strip for a nice dinner. If there's a cool show, someone I really want to see that comes to town, like some more low key. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> no, there's only, there's only one Gronk out there. I am uh, I am a massive fan of your new quarterback Jimmy G, um, and I'm really excited for him to have, you know, this opportunity. But I also think about Jimmy and Vegas, and you know, I think Jimmy is more receptive to maybe going and checking out the the strip and all that. Um, I don't know if you saw, but a brothel uh, offered Jimmy free sex for life already um, after his his signing. Uh, you know, I don't know how if you would Jimmy to Vegas, Jimmy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, don't know I if saw you would... that too. I was like, oh, all right, that's that's interesting. Usually, sounds like, hey, like come to my restaurant. You know, we got you. Any apps, drinks, like we got it. But you know, Vegas, baby. So up the ante, I guess. So I was cracking up when I saw that. I feel like of all the things Jimmy needs, that's probably not high on the list. Like <laughs> he's he's probably okay on his own. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Jamie will be just fine. He'll be locking in, learning the offense with the rest of us. And uh, based on what I heard, like uh, in terms of you know, just through George and everyone, like he, he's dialed in. I know there have been a couple of things where people are like, oh, you know, Jimmy, blah blah blah. But like knowing enough people that have played with him and like opportunity to be around Jimmy in the past, like not even on the football field. Like Jimmy's super low key and he's a good dude. I mean, but if you look like Jimmy, it's hilarious. Like I don't know how much this I can tell, but. More than so, I was with him in Nashville. We're just hanging out, having a drink, right? Like, it was me, him, Cam Fleming. This was probably like four years ago. And that was the only time I've ever seen women actually get into a physical altercation over who's going to talk to Jimmy. And the whole time, like, Mike, it's just like me and you talking. I look over and just everyone's going. And then before I look over, Jimmy's just grabbing the cat, just just being ice cold, walking the cab while these two girls are going at it. And Jimmy's just out the back door, just into a cab. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I was like, it was like my second year too. I was just like, wow. All right. Goaded, goaded. I've never seen females actually get into a physical altercation over who is going to talk to him the whole time. Jimmy just doesn't even care. Just gets up and smoothly walks out of the bar. It was top five coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's unbelievable. So <laughs> the moral of the story is I guess neither one actually got to talk to him because he left. No, no, no. And the whole time, like, we were sitting having a conversation. Both of them were coming up, being a little thirsty, and Jimmy just being good. Dude. Oh, hey, you know, hey, good good to meet you, whatever. And it's like, no, I want to talk to Jimmy. No, I want to talk to Jimmy. And then we look over, and just like, just a whirlwind of nails, extensions flying. It was, 
It was hilarious. It was hilarious. Did one of the two get the upper hand or was it pretty like even? You know, it, it was it was in the flyweight division, so there it was going really fast, but not necessarily. There wasn't heavy hands, so it was just you know a lot of you know attempts to go for the hay, go for the face, but you know, it always just ends up in the grabbing hair and necklaces. So it was more funny, and then it happened for like ten seconds. Not funny, but it was just you, you get it. It happened for like ten seconds, and I was like, "All right, ladies." And then they're like, "Where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy?" And you see Jimmy just sneak in the cab, and it was just. It was all time. Obviously, we don't want anyone to get really hurt. No, no, no. Of course not. But seeing two girls, like, pull hair no, Mike, and stuff. It was right out of a movie. And me, I was like, oh, my God. Like, is this real life? And you can tell, like, this wasn't Jimmy's first rodeo. Because it was just calmly just takes a sip. It's good to see you guys. Just the smoothest thing I've ever seen. I was just on, like, on to that's the next a quarterback. Pl- yeah. On to the next play. Right, right. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go down the street to a bar to have have a drink with the boys and just try to have a chill night. There are some uh, great establishments in Nashville. Uh, do we want to immortalize this one? Where did this take place? Okay, this this happened at Kung Fu. This was at okay. Kung Fu. Okay. So it's like uh, I don't know how much they changed it. This was also in like 2017. But um, yeah, it's kind of like half indoor, half outdoor, with like you know you know, massive tic-tac-toe boards and like connect four. And then the inside's like a cool indoor outdoor bar with big sliding glass window and some, some comfy, like plush couches and like cool little tables just sitting down at the table. And that's when, uh, two fighters stepped up to the plate and it was, uh, it, it was worth it. Worth it. Um, last question on this fight. Not that I'm obsessed at all. <laughs> not not with that this. you're obsessed. Five questions uh, in. All right, I, yeah, keep it rolling. Yeah. I can't really get past it. Um, did the two flyweights in question seem to have a previous knowledge of each other? Like, were they friends or were they total random strangers? I, I think they were adversaries. I think, you know, I think I think this was a bout that was coming for a while. There might have been something earlier on in the night. I don't know what was happening. I don't know the buildup, what was said at the presser. But, you know, it, when they just said, it's time. The girls just went at it, so it was, it was pretty remarkable. It 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 probably started at the weigh-in. I'm guessing, like some comments were made. Probably that's usually how it goes. The build-up. No, I wouldn't say hi to Jimmy. No, I wouldn't say hi to Jimmy. And then you know the southpaw struck first, and then it was just no holds bar from there. Amazing, uh, amazing that there was a southpaw. By the way, I uh, I you know. You played in Cleveland for a couple of years. There is oh, yeah. a fa- there's a famous story in Cleveland where Jeff Garcia, who at the time was the quarterback of the Browns, uh, two women brawled in a bar um, over him. One was with, one I believe he's married to now, and and was uh, you know ended up being his wife, and the other one pays to be a winner, Mike. Yeah, right. The other one had some history with him, but that was a flat out uh, reported brawl in Cleveland. So. Uh, you know, something about Niner quarterbacks uh, or something. Something, man. It's something. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna re- probably give you like a special phone to carry for video purposes for the next Jimmy Jimmy G <laughs> brawl you witness. Yeah, this should uh, definitely help out one with Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy, I'm the feds. Don't worry. Meet you soon. See you again soon, bud.
Unbelievable. All right. I got to get back in interview mode because I had a lot of actual questions for you. And right. now I'm, I'm completely obsessed. <laughs> this with, has gone off the rails. <laughs> it has gone completely off the rails. So, uh, you know, you know, George, and I'm sure you've heard all about Jimmy's um, texting um, habits or lack thereof. And um, I actually wrote about this in August um, about how, you know, he, he's not known for texting coaches and teammates back, let alone people like me. Although, separate story, I did just get my first Jimmy G return text. I'm so thrilled. But, uh, you know, George, I'm sure, has told you that, like, you might be texting Jimmy, but he might not be great about returning that text. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh... – it's interesting. I mean, I don't have Jimmy's number. I mean, I've, I've only heard what's, what's been reported. I can only judge him based off the time that I've been around him face to face. He's been a good dude. I mean, whatever he does in his free time, that's up to him. Totally. I mean, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I mean, I was kind of touched. He said to me, you know, a few months ago, he's like, Oh no, I get all your texts. I read them. I'm like, okay, at least like, you know, at least they I, I get the information. I got the yeah. information. <laughs> um, all right. So, you did get that big deal with the Browns three years ago when you went through free agency, and that happened quick. And you, I think at the time, were the highest paid tight end in NFL history. For like three weeks, yeah. Yeah, for three weeks. And then, you know, two years later, you experienced free agency again. Last year, you ended up signing with the Titans. You've yes. now done it a third time. Um, how did this experience compare to those first two? Well, I mean, the first one is super interesting, right? In the pandemic, I remember talking to you when you were back in the Bay Area. We were, don't worry, people, we were socially distanced, more than six feet apart. And when we sat down and had that interview way back when, I'm sure you remember, that was an interesting one, right? Like, I was just, I, the first day I even showed up to Cleveland was day one of training camp, right? Like, it was, it was interesting. I went down to San Jose in general to get my physical and just faxed in paperwork. I remember it, signing my contract on my, uh, on my parents' coffee table. So it was, it was, it was definitely, definitely an interesting circumstance for many reasons beyond football, but, um, moving to, uh, to Tennessee. So in it, when I ended up getting released, I ended up signing Deshaun, releasing a bunch of people. And I was kind of scrambling there for a little bit. And then John Robinson and Tennessee Titans called and gave me an opportunity and took it, ran with it, played there for a year. Very grateful for the experience there. made a, met a, bunch of wonderful people in the building offense defense special teams coach player player coach everyone was super great and now this time around getting the opportunity to be in vegas so i've been just very very fortunate that's awesome so you know one thing i i always wondered with cleveland is they they stepped up and paid you and you were coming off two pro bowl years your you know catch stats in terms of targets to balls caught were like it's something insane over 80 percent and uh you know i was just kind of like okay cool they just paid him they're gonna go feed the guy and then you just didn't you blocked a lot you were like on the line of scrimmage a lot uh, we nick chubb and kareem hunt best one two punch in football there for a while so i mean First, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't frustrated, but that was what was best for the team when we're ripping off five yards of carry. It's like, all right, click, click. You know, it's time to wrestle with some big boys because that's, uh, you know, we, we're just leading the league in rushing, so it's hard to 
hard to cry about it when we were winning games and Bart got to be part of the first playoff team since 94 in Cleveland. So that was, that was awesome. And just seeing how hungry that city was and how starved they were for some playoffs. So it, it was, it was truly special to be a part of that team and do it for the city of Cleveland. Yeah. That playoff game, it felt like it was a player revolt. Like Stefanski was stuck in the basement, not to make light of COVID, but Stefanski stuck in the basement and you guys opened that up, man. You're also like, forgetting Mike. We didn't practice that entire week. Like just to add a little more context to the story. Well, I, I don't know if the statute of limitations is on COVID, but here we go anyway. So there was this indoor facility. I'm not going to mention it somewhere in the greater Cleveland area. Since we couldn't practice, bait got some of the route runners together. Cause we're kind of on standby, right? It's like, when here from leak, we go in, we go in, we go in. Eventually we couldn't. So around like five 30 bakes, like, you know, forget it. Hey, you, 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 you meet me at this indoor facility, which I will not name and let's get 20, 30 routes in. So that's what we did like a couple nights in a row to prepare. Cause other than that, like it was all just like this over zoom, just getting the game plan and first time we went through it was in the game, but, and that Whoa. scares a lot of people by the same time. I mean, Mike talk about fresh legs program. We were, the boys were striking on the field. Everyone had the freshest legs. Everyone just laid up on zoom, stretching, hanging out. And we got, I think we got the Friday practice in. people were buzzing and then the walkthrough, but like the first two days leading up to it, it's like, we're the bulk of the game plans put in. It's like, uh, this is going to be interesting, but it ended wow. up working out. Could you tell it was going to be a more wide open, uh, game? Uh, I mean, you have no idea, right? Like, I mean, we we're just so used to one play caller the whole year. So we assumed this would be status quo. I mean, then Alex Van Pelt, a Pittsburgh guy was just like, I guess it's like, screw it. Here we go, boys. We're checking <laughs> it empty. We're, we're airing it out a little bit. Like they got some big boys up the middle. They're giving us some fits in the run game. So, you know what, let's see if, let's see if their back end can cover. So it was, and I think that really also played to our advantage because they're studying one chess master the entire time. And then just like, all right, here we go. Like everyone has tendencies. Now it's just like, all right, Kevin's in the basement, hanging out, watching the game like everybody else. And now AVP just like, all right, you've seen duo a hundred times. How about we start in here, check to empty, explode to empty. And then five birds. Like, I don't think we ran that more than twice the whole year in that game. We ran it probably three, four times. So Whoa. they were probably just trying half that game. I feel they were just trying to figure out like, Oh my God, what's a new chess master doing with the pieces. And not to mention, I think our defense created like three turnovers that game. So, and special teams got one. I mean, it was truly a three phase, three phase game. All the boys stepped up. That's awesome. So uh, before you ever got to Cleveland, I, you went down and hugged with Baker that year in, in Austin, I believe. Uh, they did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and got, real, and got real close with him. Um, you know, you know him well. Uh, there was all that drama there ultimately with Odell. There was some Jarvis drama. Um, it just, yeah, but you, you know, this to be true being in the media. It's like, it's, you know, it's always going to be crazier in the media at the end of the day. Like it's, it's all love in the locker room. It's just business. But once outside fact, I can say this much, once outside factors get in the middle of the boys, that's what makes it tough. And that's what makes the, 
you know, the real personal relationships away from the cameras, away from the interview, like just real people, like leaning on you. Like I got some family stuff going on or whatever. That's what makes it tougher. And of course it, you know, drama sells. So, you know, I'll, I'll say that much about that. So if you had a parent who was uh, publicly questioning one of your teammates, that would, that could make it awkward. Yeah, that can, that can, that tends to make things a, a little awkward. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're, they're both good people. It's just tough situation. Um, and yeah, I feel like it got blown out of proportions. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those tough things. It's like, yeah, you didn't want to see it happen, but you know, that's, that's how it ended up going down. And I was just, you know, tied in the locker room, watching it all unfold. But like the media is all like, Oh my God, Oh my God. But in the locker room, Mike, it's just like, all right, well, we still have practice. Like well, right. there was, there was that one crazy morning where basically you were, you guys were told, Hey, Odell's not really on the team anymore, even though he technically was. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty interesting. Cause like, we're just getting ready to go in the work. Like, it's like, Oh, this, this all happened. That's, that's interesting. I wonder, you know, what O's going to say about it in the building or like, you know, if it got blown out, whatever. Right. Like, you know, you have no idea what to think. And then to your point, it's like, yeah, Odell ain't can be here anymore. It's just like, whoa, well, you know, wishing the best good dude. I mean, just, you know, unfolded that way. I mean, there's, there, there's no hate there. And even the media would try to build it up like Odell versus bake. There's, there's no, it's, it was never those two guys. And I think there've been enough breadcrumbs set on both sides. So, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I haven't always been Baker's biggest cheerleader, but dude, I got to tell you that Thursday night game last year, when he had been 48 hours with the Rams and did what he did to pull out that game against the Raiders. That's one of the sickest things I've ever seen in this sport. Were you yeah. watching and appreciating that? Absolutely. I was rooting my boy on just watching him go. I remember when it all happened and I remember texting him. He's just like, it's like, yeah, man, I'm here. I'm here in the hotel trying to get this thing down and they've built him his own little package. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, the quarterback understand the audibles, the protections, the flips, like where you're out, who you're hot. So it's just like, let's let let's get the general stuff that we're going to go to like obviously got to pair the game plan down right like you should, the guy just got here bakes a really smart guy but like jesus you gotta you gotta give him a chance here and they did a great job by you know listening to him on rich Eisen talking about how they did a great job of pairing it down for him allowing him to feel comfortable with stuff he's done before and also giving him some autonomy because in my opinion, Bakes at his best when he can just see the game and feel the game, how it comes to him. Cause that's, that's what he did in high school. That's what he's done in college and the most successful times he's had. It's like when people trust like, Oh, you're the number one guy for a reason. You can see the game. What does your arm want to do here? And you can just see him out there, just getting it, calling it and making the decision, just dealing out there. I mean, how can you not be happy for him all? you know, all the adversity is that a fight through and, you know, all the voices and for him to get that, it was just, uh, how can you not be happy for him? I love it. So you went to the Titans and it was looking really cool. Uh, you guys were seven and three and, you know, as part of a long run of, of Titans success under Vrabel. Absolutely. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like Tannehill got hurt and, 
offensive coordinator got a DUI and the GM got fired and uh, seven losses to end the season. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Just take me through that experience because it must have been a, a crazy turn of events. Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on it. I mean, we're riding high there, first in the division, uh, first step that came. I mean, this is all public information. So I'll just go through a series of events. Sure. I mean, lost in Philly, got beat up in Philly pretty good. J-Rod got let go. Um, then from there, just went throughout the season, you know, trying to go status quo. And I mean, I'm, I really don't think like, it's not like when J-Rod got fired, the boys all laid down. I just... Just so it's just one of those things, man. Like one play here, one play there. I, we'd have to look back at it. But I don't know how many games we lost by three or less. And I mean, all it comes down to is just, you know, one play here, one play there. But you know, that's 32 teams across the league could play that game. The Raiders could have played that game last year. You know what I mean? Three points or less, and they'd have 12. So I mean, um, that's the league, man. I mean, it was. It is definitely frustrating uh, for everyone in the building. You know, when you're riding high first place, got a two, three game cushion, and then, you know, you're fighting just to get a win, but you're feeling like you're a good team. That's just not for one reason or another, not living up potential. I mean, I think that'd be like second or first or second highest in league in terms of number of injuries. Like, so we, you, we're plugging and playing in guys that did a great job that did a great job. I mean, like kind of like a bake situation coming on Thursday. It's like, all right, buddy, you're starting Sunday. Like, let, let's go. We're down bodies. So, um, it was an awesome experience. It was just tough. Like there's a multitude of factors we can go on for a half hour about, but you know, no excuse for it. We just, we didn't finish the right way. Uh, being around coach Rabel, knowing the man he is, he's going to get it corrected. He's a great coach and he's going to, he's going to get everything dialed in. I uh, covered him as a player, so I just, you know, everyone handles losing differently. I, I cannot imagine that he was in the best of moods uh, toward the end. Yeah, I mean, for, for sure. I mean, no no coach is going to be happy with losing, but I will say this about Brable. He knew being a player, he always knew how to read the room, see where the boys are at, and, like, get the morale's down pick you back up. And if we're fine, they'll tell you, Hey, like fellas, this ain't good enough, but still do it in a way. Like when everyone's down that can get the team back to status quo. So, I mean, I really appreciated that about him. I mean, and just the way he take care of us with how hurt the team was just understanding, like you said, like 14 years as a player, um, he just, he's been through it and he understands from that perspective as well as the coaching side, like where, the psyche of this team is at at all times. And that was, that was something I really picked up from his leadership and something I really appreciated about him. Apparently in Philly, you referenced that game, uh, fans were chanting at the owner's box about AJ Brown. So, you know, I don't know what happened with J Rob and why the timing happened, but that can't be good when you're the owner and, and there's chanting at you in the box. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I ain't an owner, but I bet that doesn't feel good when anyone's yelling at you in your face. So yeah, I, I had no idea. Right. I was, I was too busy getting my ass kicked on the field with, uh, with the boys. So, uh, I didn't, I didn't hear the chance, but, uh, that's, that's interesting information. I had no idea about, but all I know is it happened so quick and I was just so surprised because we were, we were first in vision two, three games up when that move was made. So that was, 
so we were all, all of us in locker room, we're just kind of scratching our heads. Like, wow, it's just that quick. So, I mean, that's, no that's above my pay grade, Mike. I'm just, just play tight end, man. So no, no I was doubt. just reacting to it. Like, wow. All right. The guy who brought me in this building is now gone. That's always a, an interesting yeah, one. Just, I've had that. Time I've to straighten that, up. <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen a few times. It's always better when the person who brings you in is still there, in my opinion. It's it's right. always better. Yeah. Um, it helps. Yeah. So I Derek Henry, you had obviously admired from afar. When you see him up close and personal and how defenders react and all that, is it is it crazy just watching that dude run? Yeah, Derek. Derek's special, man. He's he's very special. And the thing I really appreciate about him too is he he works his ass off. Like being in the weight room with him, yeah, <laughs> being in the weight room with him. Like he definitely doesn't take the easy way out. I'll see him over there lifting with the linemen. Whoa. Like he'll push it, and then when he's out on the field practicing, like he's full tilt. I mean, he's talking to the guys, picking the guys up, helping out the younger guys, and he's an open book. That's why I appreciate about him. Like. I'm not back. So I didn't have, you know, questions pertaining cutting or how you see this hole or this or that, but the other backs talking with him, like he's an open book. He's a good teammate and just seeing how he worked throughout the year was something I really noticed and appreciated about him and his, his style of, of leadership, like always being there to pick the team up and like hold people accountable. And then much like variable, understand like where the team's at, like when people need to get lifted up and then when people need to be told like, Hey bro, like I know you're better than this. So seeing that kind of greatness up close was, was awesome. Yeah. I mean, there must be looks on defenders faces like late in games. There's yeah, guys make like... business decisions out there. We, you see it on film. I mean, when everyone's moving 20 miles an hour, it doesn't look like that. But once you cut it down to a hundred frames a second, you see people start taking half strides, start doing this. Sorry. I, I feel so, it, man. I, I totally I, understand. Smart, he takes full advantage of that. Cause if you don't like, I mean, he'll, he'll punish you. He don't care. He wants you to go full tilt. Cause he's getting up. And like, I remember, I think it was Houston. The guy was chirping on him. He's like, bro, I can't even feel you. That's a little bee sting. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, this is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies waving at the babes and enjoy myself so my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car and uh, we built the boxes from scratch had multiple 12 inch subs and you could hear me coming from a long long way away with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Wow. So, okay. So you've had, I mean, you've had so many good running backs, you know, your whole Absolutely. career. Devon, yeah. Kareem, and, and, uh, uh, yeah, Nick, and, obviously. Yeah. And then Derek Dontrell did a great job. And now you got Josh. So I, is, is your blocking, is it something that you've worked on? Have you gotten better and better? Do you take pride in it? How do you feel about blocking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll do whatever's asked, like whether I'm I'm blocking, pass blocking, chipping on third down, running around on third down from the slot, in line, outside. I mean, I feel like that's kind of been my game, Mike, kind of like that jack-of-all-trades guy. You know, I might not be the greatest at anything, but I can do everything. So that's kind of what's kept me in the league, in my opinion. I can, I can run routes enough. I can block enough. I can do whatever enough, pass block enough, like whatever you need. I'm I'm comfortable being in different spots because I've been in so many different offenses that required me to, to be that right. Like in Atlanta, I was pretty much a big slot receiver towards the end of my career. And then when I was in Cleveland, I was an extension of the offensive line when we were leading the league in rushing. And last year in Tennessee, I was blocking a little bit and mostly doing third down red zone. So like I, I've done, I've done both for, you know, a long time now I've done either or for a long time. Like it's just kind of whatever it is. I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I won't turn contact down. I'll stick my face in there. And in my opinion, that's just half of what run blocking is. Cause I mean, I mean, here's the thing, like I'll just break it down. Like, unless you're over 260 pounds, it's a tight end. Like you're not going to be blowing up these 280 pound edge guys who make, you know, $30 million, you know, a hundred on a hundred million dollar contract. The guys are meant to put paws on guys who weigh 330 pounds. Like here's, but what you can control is if you're 240, 250 is just how fast you fire off the ball and trying to get your helmet under their chin, trying to snap them back and get your hands in the spot. And then understanding the scheme, like how long do I need to keep this monster attached to my body? Whether it's like (laughs) thousand one, thousand two, or sometimes you even got to get it to a thousand three. But I mean, yeah, unless you're over 260, like you're not going to Debo a guy whose sole job is to Debo guys who weigh 330 pounds. You know what I mean? Like all you can do is just not turn it down, fire off as fast as you can and just be ready. 
Like that's my advice when I talk to other tight ends. Cause it's like, cause if you want to get really good at blocking, throw on 20, 30 pounds. And all of a sudden you ain't going anywhere in the routes. Like the ball's going to be in the air before you're out of your route. You're just, uh, and then you don't have a job. So it's like, what, so you, what do you want? So I, I just, I just explain that to people and people are like, Oh yeah, no, it makes sense. It's a, it's a physics issue. So you started out in Kyle Shanahan's offense in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and you know I, I've known him since he's a kid. I'm a huge admirer always of what he does schematically, and Great coach. What, what you guys were doing in 2016 mm-hmm. was was ridiculous. You know, Matt, Matt Ryan, obviously MVP, and and mm-hmm. very very close to winning a championship. Um, yeah. Explain, you know, why Kyle is. I, you know, so good at it and what it's like to, to play in that scheme. That's a great question. Mine's going to take me a second. There's so many great things he did. And I mean, you got to keep in mind, like you remember meeting me when I was 21 years old. Like I had no frame of reference of what an NFL coordinator is. And then my first year, I'm part of what top five, top seven, most prolific offense in NFL history. So like that was, that was the only experience I had. So when you're asking me what he does well, when we were absolutely rolling, like that could be the whole rest of this podcast is talking about how Kyle would, he would legitimately predict everything that was going to happen. Like it's why I like called him Nostradamus. Like this dude predicted everything. He'd be like, all right, in his first 15 script, he's like, here's what's going to happen. Boom, 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 boom. Taylor Gabriel, we're going to hit this chunk play Julio get ready for this coming up Devonte, bop 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 we're going to score here then we're going to get it back if we score within the first 12 we're going to roll with these and I'll just be like rookie like no yeah, okay like you know I you know coaches in college do the same thing but we'll see but it happened like every time where I was just like oh my goodness this guy's football IQ and understanding of everything within his system and he would highlight you know receivers in the run game uh, the backside guard, just how he's cutting open that B gap, the tight end on the cross sift. That's going, even though it's like a pass cross sift, tight ends coming over there full speed, just selling it to the edge player. So he thinks it's a run and collapsing instead of pass rushing, creating the space for Matt to move and in turn throw, move that throwing window for Julio to get right around that hook defender. Just like having that as my first NFL experience was tremendous and the amount that he helped me just grow my football IQ was was tremendous and I'm eternally grateful for him. And so on that staff you had Matt LaFleur, um you had Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. Yeah. And among others. Um are did Mike McDaniel try you know stand up on you? Because I know you know I've known him a long time. His sense of humor it's very, very dry and very unique. Yeah we'll we'll, we'll keep his we'll keep his humor off the pod. Hilarious. Hilarious. Um, I so I always wondered, you know, when he got to Miami, I'm like, okay, um, if he wins early, I think the humor is gonna kill. But if it if they were like one and five, I just worried that people weren't gonna get it on the outside. Yeah, yeah, very deadpan, very yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, success success cures all, right? I mean, but that's I've had a lot of coaches have a sense of humor, but McDaniel, you know, you you know how it is. Like he starting fast and just sense of humor, his, his timing and just his understanding again, like going back to the system 
just like everything about him, how he carries himself and his enthusiasm for the game. It's, it's infectious. And being a rookie with him, LaFleur and Kyle, it was just Raheem Morris was a receiver's coach. So, I mean, bro, that's, that's an all-star lineup right there of just, just geniuses who are hilarious. Yeah. That must've been epic. And I know, you know, there was a, there was a lot of talk about how Kyle and Matt, you know, Ryan butted heads that first year and kind of were trying to figure it out. Um, and yeah, anytime before- you put two alphas in the room, like it's going to take some time for you, everyone to like create. I mean, that's normal with any business. You bring two multiple alpha males together. It's going to take some time before everyone just realized like, all right, we're on the same page. And you saw, you saw those guys take the Atlanta Falcons to heights. They haven't, been before you know they haven't had before or since really and so you know that second year was obviously it was rolling um right what i recall of that super bowl 51 game plan uh it was a little unorthodox in the blocking right like they had receivers kind of blocking it defensive ends at times and right so it was all based on dante hightower because his ability to play off the ball mike linebacker and then hop on the ball and play sam so we had a boston call so that id like either a back or a tight end just dictating you know where dante is lined up and whether he's in the count or not because I, I this is you know seven years ago so i could be butchering this a little bit but it was definitely boston called but i think the the thought behind it was they blitzed him so much from mike that they didn't want Devontae or tevin having to sit him down with a 10 yard head start going you know 265 270 in pads and you know, and tevin or Devontae, they don't they don't turn anything down they're tough sobs but it, it's just it's a physics issue so they would cap the line would account for him when he's in the mic position. And then when he was in the Sam, we'd make a Boston call. And then there was a time where I got matched up with him in pass pro. Um, yeah. And backs would do it. The idea, the idea of thinking, all right, like he's on the edge. It's going to take a little more to build up. And like, he's just not coming with as much heat. So that it was really predicated upon that. So yes, in that sense, it was very, unorthodox in terms of how we would pick it up in the passing game. But I think this overall base downs and whatnot, like we're, we're running our system. We're rolling there. It's good I mean, until it wasn't right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never seen a Belichick defense be that, you know, I don't know. Shook is the word, but the width of the field, the speed, the, you know, it, it just was, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but the score was actually 28 to three um, in the third quarter. I don't I've know if you knew that. that. At some point, I heard yeah. that at some point. I remember looking at the scoreboard. I was like, yeah, that's that's interesting. It's looking pretty good. Uh, is it one of those things where it just as it starts to snowball, where you're just like, this can't. <sighs> So many people have asked me, it's like an old 90s slasher movie. You know what I mean? Like, you know who the killer is. You can see him coming and it's just like, oh, you know, let's go split up and go in the woods. You know, it's just like one of those corny old movies where you see him just the killer coming and climb back. But I won't ever forget there was a time, look over at the sideline with uh, some DBs that shall not be named. But there's that iconic version of Tom Brady, just that iconic picture of him on the bench. You're like, yeah, yeah, he's quitting that little. And I'm just like, I was a rookie. I mean, I just turned 22. I was like, 
guys, I don't know what that is, but that's not the surrender Cobra. Like, I don't know what's happening. He's tapping in. I don't know. This guy might go super saiyan or something. I don't know. But like, all I knew is watching him. Like, I don't know my whole life. It's like, that's not a guy you count out. Cause it was iconic, right? Like everyone's over there, like we're in control of the game and he's just by himself, just tapping into whatever he tapped into and just willed, willed his squad back. I mean that, and, uh, you know, some three PI calls, walking them down the field for one drive and the Edelman catch the other drive and something else happened, but yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, like we stalled out and all it took was like one stall. And then that was the old overtime rules. So first blood draws, they won the coin toss scored and I'm, I'm rookie. I'm an idiot. Right. So I'm like, all right, guys, like we're up. And I remember old DB like, no, bro, it's not caught like college. Like it's first blood draw. It's over. And just as he says that psh, confetti and I'm just oh. like, dagger. <laughs> So those those DBs were the first ones to be like, all right, we'll go we'll go for a walk in the woods. Let's just split up and you know we'll we'll, we'll I'll go I'll go uh, I'll go into the dark woods. Yeah, right they there. were uh, they ran they ran shallow crossers the vast majority, and we're we're playing man to man the whole pretty much the whole time. I mean, it worked too. Rocky Robert Alfred got a pick six off when they were in bunch. Call it cone, and they studied what they're going to do. Rocky saw it, took his op, pick sixed it. So, I mean, they're trusting them like, yo, playing man's been, been going and they've been doing a great job. Just, you know, I believe they were out there for 115 plays. Ugh. So yeah, that's, and most of the time it was, uh, well, it was Amendola and Julian just running a bunch of shallow crossers, just picking. And that's, you know, asking DBs to cover numbers to the other numbers, every plan they're running some kind of variation. Cause us offensive players, we know if we're in it or not. And so it's like, yeah, come on, let's, let's tack those hamstrings and quads. So, I mean, credit to them. It was a tremendous experience. I mean, it's been so long. People ask me about it. It's like, I'm not salty. It's like, it's unfortunate to be on the wrong side of a historical moment, but you know, overall, I mean, being a rookie, like, wow, what else you asked for, man? That was awesome. I mean, it's just, it's a lot though, right? It's like, you think you're going to win, you have the collapse and then Kyle's gone. And now you've got new coordinator. Right. Just know. bang, bang, bang. So it was, uh, it was definitely, it all happened so fast. I remember after the game, um, at the after party, <laughs> It was a little somber for a little bit, but it was also a bar and all, you know, how it goes at last time that team's ever going to be a lot of bets. I was there last year playing, you know, they're just hanging on for, for one last ride. So, I mean, it, it, it was awesome to be around everyone. And I remember downstairs, there was like a kind of like an open area with stairs leading down and I had a drink in my hand, walked down and it was McDaniel, Kyle, LaFleur, Matt Ryan, and Matt Schaub all on a couch. So, yeah, who grabbed a seat, blah, blah, blah. I was talking, and then I just remember Kyle vividly, like, you know I have to do this, right? And I came in a little late to the combo. And, I mean, I'm young, so, I mean, it's more like, you know, I'm just going to be quiet. They talk to me, I'll, you know, but I'm not going to come there. What's up, guys? 
you know, read the room, have some feel after what just happened. And I remember Kyle was just like, yeah, you know, I got to do this. Right. And I just remember being like, Oh, well, it's real. So we'll see what happens next, but yeah, you know, wish you the best, man. Great opportunity for you and your family and you're gonna do great over there. And I just remember that was the last, it's the last thing I remember about that Super Bowl at the after party. Cause after that, went up to my room, passed out, woke up, hopped on the team plane next day or a couple of days, short time after Sark was announced and yep. Was it hard to just, just adjusting to a new scheme, a new offensive coach? It must've been a challenge. Yeah. Uh, Sark was tasked with kind of running a Shanahan style offense. So he kept kind of learned his terminology and kind of learned like what we were doing and what we did well to keep it pretty similar for the guys. It was more him like onboarding than having all of us on board in the sun. Cause at the end of the day, most people run similar things. So this kept our terminology and then we rolled with Sark for a couple for two years. Yeah. I learned a lot from Sark, good coach down there at Texas doing his thing. And then my fourth year is when I got dark and that's when we had changed the offense a little bit and, and his offense, that's where I was split out a bunch and, and his offense, the Y gets to spin. So I was definitely a beneficiary of, of, of his offense for sure. So I know uh, I've, we've been talking a long time, so I don't want to go too long. I just wanted to, to hit one thing. You, this is kind of the golden age of tight ends. I mean, uh, and we have national tight ends day, tight ends university. Uh, do you get involved in all that? And you know, I, those guys, Kittle and, and Kelsey and, and Greg. Are, yeah, yeah. Greg are, are so great. Uh, do you, yeah. get, do you soak all that up? How, how's, how's that all been? Oh, it's awesome. Like we put in work, but let, let, let's be real. I mean, like it's getting all the tight ends around the league together to pretty much get like a brain trust going like, Hey, like Travis will get up there and talk about how, you know, he runs option routes, right? He's the best in the league at George will get up there talking about how he runs, you know, this route, Greg will talk about when he, he was there. That's how I run this. And then we all get together and we all just get a talk shop with each other, go on the field, work a couple drills, but yeah, I mean, I've been lying to you. I said, like, we don't all like rent out a bar, have some beers and like talk with each other. Cause that's at the end of the day, that's what it's really about. We put in our work and then like, just get to know everyone around the league. So, I mean, it's, it's been awesome what those three have created and then, uh, it's definitely built to last. Apparently Jimmy is the one who came up with national tight ends day. Really? That's what I just did a little research and, you know, Kittle obviously was at the forefront, but apparently it was Jimmy goofing on Kittle somehow. And then George just took it. Doubling down like, no, yes, this is real now. I'll show you. I'll make it a holiday. Something to that. Sounds like something George would do. It really does. And uh, so, yeah, that'll be, you know, next time you and Jimmy are chilling, watching women compete for his affection in a very phys- in a very physical way you guys can you guys can break that down oh man that was oh man yeah jimmy don't get mad I'm, don't get mad about that story that happened years ago i don't think G- i don't think jimmy will get mad i really don't jimmy like... was just sitting there being cool he didn't do nothing just look yeah. over it's just like people were people were fighting for his uh first conversation just calmly got up walked out away so smooth I mean, I, w- I wish I could inspire that much passion. Like, I-, I could for one woman. You know, we've been married for 31 years. She would, <laughs> she would throw down. But, like, 
I don't think I can't imagine just, you know, no, the coolest right. part of that story was you could tell that wasn't the first time that that has happened around <laughs> Jimmy. Like he was just so cool about it. Like it was just haymakers going on. Just like, it's like, he was like an actor in a Tarantino movie or something. Just calmly took a sip and just walked out of the saloon. I was just like, that's a quarterback right there. Yeah. And then the last thing I had for you is I didn't realize this because I'm a kind of a tennis nerd and I grew up with a lot of, you know, friends who played nationally ranked college players mm -hmm. and your uncle Chip Hooper was a legit tennis player, like top 20 in the world at one point. Yeah, I believe 18 I, at, the, at his peak. Yeah, I watched, he was playing I watched him play, McEnroe, all those guys. Yeah, I think I watched him play a major college tournament because one of my mm -hmm. good, one of my good friends growing up uh, was ranked. I, I think he was ranked two in the NCAA at one point and might have been playing chip, which was a huge match for him. And uh, wow. So, you know, did you, yeah, have you ever like nerded out and like, you know, gone down that rabbit hole of how good he was and, and all that? Yeah, my, my dad would always, my dad would always tell me and told me some stories just like of the matches and everything growing up. So I always was aware about his greatness, but like at the end of the day, when it's your uncle, you're just like, yeah, whatever. But definitely once I got older, I was definitely like, oh, wow. Yeah. People aren't supposed to be able to do that that easily. Like that's, that's super impressive. <laughs> I was like, wow, you did that. Did they ever hit with you when you were little? Like, did you try it at all? No, I was uh, I was straight straight to T-ball, baby. I was playing baseball, soccer, uh, CYO basketball, and then once I was twelve, put on the shoulder pads and helmet, and that's what I was like. This is this is where I want to do. Dude, I can't even imagine you and youth soccer. That must that must have been ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, there there were a couple yellow cards, but I was pretty skilled though. <laughs> I was a skilled striker, but yeah, I mean, if it, I'll if bet. It was good, if it was getting physical, though, I wasn't afraid. Of, I wasn't afraid of no yellow. So like you, get, you get one. Yeah, I love guy. I'll never. Forget. I was with Brent Selleck, um, Todd Harriman's, and a, and a couple other Eagles between practices in Bethlehem, uh, in training camp, maybe having some whiskey. You know, it was it was two no, days. A little dull Gatorade. Never heard yeah, anybody. Something po possibly, but. My daughter, who was, I think, 11 or 12, got red card. It was two yellows, but it was the first time she ever got tossed for a game. And I was getting the text from my wife. And the the second, I was like, whoa, she just got red carded. They were so pumped. They were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. You know. And it was in like a championship game. It was, it was, it was high drama. But yeah, I mean. the tone sometimes. I agree, but I like I love the idea that you were so you were really good at a sport where you can't use your hands, and then you end up obviously having some of the best hands in the world. So. Right, there shout out, go. shout out, T-ball base played all the way up to high school, then got a little little Tommy John action. I was like, all right, well, I better get this football thing dialed in, or I'm joining the military. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Well, you're still uh, you're still doing it, and. Uh, you are now uh, under the bright lights of Henderson uh, near the strip, and uh, I, I'm excited to watch you uh, do your thing on another uh, high-powered offense. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you. Yes, sir.
Fire the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full grate sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.